0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, September 14th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. A month in solitary confinement, a dollar a day for scrubbing toilets, Just two examples of the quote, disturbing conditions and abusive and retaliatory behavior immigrant detainees claim they face in for-profit detention centers around Bakersfield. Calls for an investigation on tonight's California Report. We'll take a look at local news and weather. Before KVMR's Felton Pruitt gets the details about Sunday's Constitution Day Parade from the founder of the famous Marching Presidents, we close with a commentary about a new state law you might not be aware of.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. More than a dozen California Democratic Congress members are sending a letter to the federal government this morning calling for an investigation into complaints by immigrant detainees who say they've been held in solitary confinement for supporting a labor strike. KQED's labor correspondent, Farida Jovallo Romero, reports.
2: Lawmakers want top immigration enforcement officials to review reports of, quote, disturbing conditions and abusive and retaliatory behavior toward detainees at two for-profit detention centers around Bakersfield. Nine detainees filed a complaint yesterday with the Department of Homeland Security's Office for Civil Rights and Civil Liberties. They're locked up at the Mesa Verde Ice Processing Center and Golden State Annex, which are operated by the GEO Group, a multinational prison company. We want a complete investigation. San Jose Congresswoman Lofgren chairs the House Immigration Subcommittee. And if they determine
1: that these allegations are correct, we believe that the contract for these facilities should be terminated.
2: Detainees paid $1 a day to clean dorms and bathrooms have waged a months-long labor strike. In response, they say, staffers with ICE and GEO have punished them, including with loss of commissary or solitary confinement. One man told KQED he was segregated in a tiny cell for more than a month, while Pedro Figueroa says he was isolated for more than a week after joining the strike in June.
0: We're the ones that have to experience the Um, the mistreatment or even retaliation when we do speak up. So if we allow it, then they just get away with it. But we're, we're humans. We shouldn't allow those things.
2: ICE did not immediately respond to a request for comment. A spokesman with GEO vehemently denies the allegations of retaliation and says the company has always been committed to a safe and humane environment in their facilities. This comes as Governor Newsom is considering a bill approved by state lawmakers that would restrict the use of solitary confinement for all incarcerated people, including at immigration detention centers. For The California Report, I'm Farida romero
1: in health news, Los Angeles County is reporting what appears to be the first known case of a U.S. healthcare worker infected with monkeypox or mpox while on the job. Public health officials would not comment on the worker's condition. This comes as new cases have started to decline in recent weeks across the state. There are currently more than 4,400 confirmed or suspected mpox cases in California. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare, where their greatest reward is a healthy patient.
3: Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org.
1: Strawberries are one of California's biggest and delicious agricultural moneymakers, but they're also vulnerable to diseases that can be devastating for growers. But now, California researchers have made a key discovery to help fight one of strawberries' biggest threats. KCBX's Benjamin Perper explains.
4: Every year, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo holds a field day for one of its biggest research topics, strawberries. These annual field days bring hundreds of students, researchers, and industry leaders to the university's Strawberry Center.
3: Over here, we're presenting on our projects.
4: One of the Strawberry Field Days' main attractions is a strawberry field. But unlike most fields you'd see around the Central Coast, this one is meant for research. Students like Mary Steele, who's getting her master's in agriculture, can learn and experiment with strawberries here.
3: Every plant sample that we take from different fields... We do a molecular technique to target cerium
4: fusarium That's a pathogen that kills all sorts of crops, from tomatoes and tobacco to strawberries. It can cause certain crops to wither away and die in what's called fusarium wilt. Steele's work mirrors what another major research university, UC Davis, is doing on fusarium, one that just yielded a major development in the science of strawberries. Really huge
3: success story, yeah.
4: Steve Knapp is a plant sciences professor and the director of the Strawberry Breeding Program at UC Davis. His research specialty is plant breeding and genetics, which means he focuses on breeding what are called genetically super- superior cultivars which in this case means disease-resistant strawberry varieties. Knapp and his fellow researchers screened thousands of strawberry plants and mapped the genes they found that are resistant to Fusarium wilt.
3: It's the roadmap. Without the roadmap, you aren't going to be able to drive to point A, point B. So once we had those tools and pieces in place and could apply them to strawberry, it was very exciting.
4: With that genetic roadmap in hand, Knapp and his team were able to develop plants that are less likely to die from Fusarium wilt. He says this will help bring strawberries up to speed with other crops like tomatoes, which have already seen success in fighting fusarium in the past few decades. One of the growers, he said,
3: wow, it looks like we're being dragged into the 21st century.
4: Strawberries are one of the biggest and most important crops in the U.S. That's why this discovery is so important, according to Peter Henry, a plant pathologist with the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Santa Maria on the Central Coast is one of the few small regions in California, which produce about 90% of the country's strawberries. Just 40,000 acres produce that huge amount of volume. But Henry says that system is threatened by soil-borne diseases, even possible pandemic, whether that's from fusarium or another disease. But he says this new research could help prevent that without bringing in other methods that could have destructive side effects. We have a very good solution that is not reliant on chemical fumigation. But Henry says while the UC Davis research is a success story, it's not the end of fusarium wilt in California strawberries. Over time, deadly pathogens can overcome resistance in plants like strawberries and cause disease again. There's kind of this boom and bust arms race cycle between plant breeders and plant pathogens. Back at the Cal Poly field day, Glenn Cole is eager to share this research with Central Coast farmers and other academics. He's the field manager for the UC Davis Strawberry Breeding Program, but he's also a Cal Poly slow graduate. I try to get here every year or every other year. Cole says this latest research is exciting to him and to people like the Santa Maria growers he's meeting at the field day. He says it's hard to tell what the disease even looks like, So this outreach is essential.
1: As a farmer, they don't necessarily just associate it to Fusarium.
4: Cole says it's not just about education, it's also about trust. Besides just knowing that this new research is happening, growers also need to be able to test resistant varieties for themselves, and that means continued cooperation down the road. We got our work cut out for us, but that's job security. UC Davis plans to release their new plant varieties later this year with hopes of strengthening California strawberries and helping growers ward off a fusarium wilt pandemic. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Luis Obispo.
1: And strawberries and all, that's the California Report for Wednesday, September 14th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. As always, thanks for listening and talk tomorrow.
0: Let's take a look at today's local news. The Mosquito Fire jumped back over the Middle Fork of the American River on Tuesday, sprinting north toward the Placer County towns of Todd Valley and Forest Hill after gusty winds led spot fires to jump containment lines. Mapping from the Governor's Office of Emergency Services reports the wildfire at 61,012 acres, or 95.3 square miles. Cal Fire and the U.S. Forest Service report 20% containment. The fire grew by more than 10,000 acres from the Tuesday evening update, and containment fell from the previously reported 25%. As of this afternoon, CAL FIRE says at least 64 structures have been destroyed by the blaze, 10 others have been damaged. Roughly two dozen homes were destroyed or damaged last week in the El Dorado County town of Volcanoville, when the Mosquito Fire jumped north to south across the river. The fire grew substantially Tuesday on its western edge, with an aggressive upslope run toward Forest Hill Road. Authorities say it also expanded on its northeastern flank, in a more sparsely populated stretch of Placer County. Two new evacuation orders were issued Tuesday afternoon, in Placer County for areas north of Yankee Jim's Road and in El Dorado County for the Stumpy Meadows campground area. Quote, The mission-critical priority for the firefighters Wednesday is the west side of the fire. They will focus on protecting structures in the Forest Hill and Todd Valley areas and increasing containment of the fire line to prevent further westward and northward spread, CAL FIRE and Forest Service officials wrote in a 7.30 a.m. incident report. In total, authorities say more than 11,000 residents are displaced by the Mosquito Fire, as it threatens some 5,800 structures, most of those homes. No injuries or fatalities have been reported as of Wednesday morning. In a social media post this morning, the Placer County Sheriff's Office said it has recorded 90 refusals to evacuate the fire zone. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. The Dutch Fire, which ignited early Tuesday afternoon near Dutch Flat and spread rapidly at its outset, was 48 acres with 50% containment Wednesday morning. Neighborhoods in the Dutch Flat area just north of I-80 were evacuated for roughly three hours. I-80 was closed in both directions as crews battled the blaze. Forward progress has been halted. This Sunday's Barbara Schmidt Miller Women's Triathlon has been cancelled. Organizers say ongoing air quality issues affecting setup as well as conditions on race day make it unhealthy to hold the 27th annual event. The proceeds from the Breast Cancer Benefit go towards the Barbara Schmidt Miller Fund to provide free mammograms and follow-up procedures to those in need. Turning our attention to your local weather and air quality from PurpleAir.com. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 49. Areas of smoke after 1 a.m. Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 73. Widespread haze between 9 and 11 a.m with areas of smoke before 9 a.m. Despite an unhealthy AQI this morning, the current air quality is good to moderate, with an AQI around 50. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 37. Areas of smoke before 4 a.m. Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 66. Widespread haze between 1 and 2 p.m., with areas of smoke after 2 p.m. It could get windy with gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. Current air quality is unhealthy with an AQI over 170. The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement for the Truckee-Tahoe region. Smoke from the mosquito wildfire continues to produce unhealthy to hazardous air quality across the region. The next wave of smoke is projected to push into the region this evening. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 59. Thursday, cloudy through mid-morning, then gradually clearing with a high near 80. Current air quality is moderate, with an AQI around 50. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. In September of 1787, 39 men gathered to sign a document. U.S. constitutional delegates ranged in age from 26-year-old Jonathan Dayton to 81-year-old Benjamin Franklin, who was allegedly so infirm he had to be carried to sessions in a sedan chair. Although not quite that old, Nevada City's Constitution Day parade has been a tradition since 1967, and it's reportedly the oldest and largest Constitution observance in the western United States. Mars Felton Pruitt has the details.
3: We're talking with David Sparky Parker. He's the founder of the Famous Marching Presidents, who will be strolling down Broad Street on Sunday as we bring you Constitution Day in downtown Nevada City. One more time, Sparky, tell us all about the whole history of this Famous Marching Presidents situation.
5: Sheriff Felton, in 1988, I, I woke up in the middle of the night. I had been thinking about the Constitution Day parade. What would be good in that parade? And I literally popped up in the middle of the night and said, famous marching presidents. And from there, we had a start. Uh, we, we actually were a benchmark. And our first start was the year that the, when we walked up Broad Street, you could see this column coming up. And it was the 49er fire going on. So that, that caused a lot of interest in itself. We marched. We did. We were a little, a little manic in some ways. We were new at this. And literally within three days, I got a letter from the Constitution Day committee, knowing, knowing that they were going to say, welcome aboard. We're so glad you're here. It's a great idea. And we look forward to a long time marching with us. Well, it wasn't quite that. (laughs) They pretty pretty much said, you guys act like that again. We're going to ban you for life. That was our start. And over the years, we've really polished our act to I think one of the groups that people wait to see every year.
3: It is a, certainly a charming thing. It's not just the famous presidents anymore. You represent every president.
5: Absolutely. Every president, first ladies, a few secret service, and a few celebrities uh, thrown in. Very few, but that. But mostly, I personally think, and I've checked, I've Googled it, heck, that uh, there's no group like ours in America. Now, that's a pretty bold statement, but I mean, with every president. I'm sure there's presidents that are marching parades and groups, but probably none of them have Martin Van Buren. Oh, that's who I portrayed for the last 35 years.
3: <laughs> and now we have a new president to represent as well, Joe Biden. Can you reveal who's going to be Joe Biden?
5: Yes, I can. I'm really proud of that. He actually had planned to do it last year, but well, we didn't do it. Daniel Bachelor he's uh, the executive director of I think it's Elevation 422 or something like that, but it's a dispensary in town.
3: And then there's, of course, the First Ladies as well.
5: I have all of them, yes. They're probably why everybody comes. You know, they look look lovely in their outfits and their period pieces, and it's just a stunning array of beautiful women.
3: We're talking with David Sparky Parker, who is the founding member of the famous Marching Presidents. They're going to be part of the Constitution Day Parade in Nevada City this Sunday, which starts at two o'clock do you guys have anything special planned in your march down the street in
5: 1990 we sponsored the watsonville community band which is a world famous band then it's more famous now and they're returning they're returning and in that year 1990 unbeknownst to me when we got to the review stand and literally we're from for people's interest at the corner of uh, broad and pine and And we stretch all the way up to the Nevada Theater. So it takes us some time to go. So the band pivoted. They were in front of us, and they played Hail to the Chief. Now there's a problem with that. It lasts for about two minutes. It's a short little rift. They had to play it like five times by the time we all got down there. But it's really exciting. I'm hoping that we'll repeat that. In this parade this year.
3: Well, all they have to do is just kind of channel the Grateful Dead and they can do it for like 20 minutes.
5: No problem. (laughs) That would be so pretty in town, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh.
3: Well, we're really looking forward to it. It's always wonderful. Any other surprises coming down with the presidents that we might want to look for?
5: Well, we'll be handing out Constitution and I think no better time than refresh yourself. They're just pamphlets, but they have the entire Constitution there. And uh, hopefully the general public will enjoy receiving those.
3: You know, I've got one sitting over on the shelf right there, and I forgot where I got it from. Now I know I got it from you guys. (laughs) I see. I'm glad to hear that. I'm very glad to hear that, Felton. All right. Well, it's the famous Marching Presidents, part of the Constitution Day Parade this Sunday in downtown Nevada City at 2 o'clock. We've been talking with David Sparky Parker. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Felton.
0: close tonight's newscast with a commentary from Shivadi Karki Pearl, the public sector manager for waste management in Nevada County.
6: It's likely you have already heard about California enacting a new food waste recycling law that technically went into effect at the beginning of this year. The law SB 1383 intends to reduce methane emissions by removing organic material from the landfills. Your food scraps placed in the trash bins go to the WM landfill outside of Reno. The good news is that they are capturing much of that methane. The problem starts in a trash container. This is why the new California law asks the consumers to sort out food debris, food soil paper, and yard debris at your home and business. This is a heads up that this will be required here, but is not yet here. While the law went into effect on January 1, 2022, many cities and counties, including Nevada County, are not immediately implementing the program because of the need for further outreach and development of large organic material composting locations. For us to have the infrastructure we need and update the transfer station, it may take another year or two. WM is prepared to help our community reach state goals and comply with state mandates. Eventually, your yard waste cart will become your organics cart, and you will then be asked to dispose of all your organic materials, including yard debris and food scraps, together. But not yet. If you want to build a good habit and avoid critters in your trash, consider freezing your food scraps till garbage pickup day. Today, you throw it in the trash, but in the future, you can empty that container in the green waste cart, no more bears and raccoons. You'll receive plenty of notice before that change occurs. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue to utilize your yard waste container for yard debris and begin to think about ways you can reduce food waste at your home or business. Simple changes in how you handle food at home can help reduce food waste now. For example, you can save all your food scraps and create your own compost pile in the backyard. There are dozens of tips and tricks on how to do this online. Or if you're not into the gardening thing, you can find a local farmer or a gardener friend who will accept food scraps to compost. Reducing food waste also means thinking ahead about your meals and making a list when you go grocery shopping. This will help you avoid purchasing too many items that could potentially spoil. You can also visit wm.com forward slash SB1383 to learn more about the law. Meanwhile, thanks for starting to think about how you can reduce waste overall. The goal is to divert an average of 75% of the organic waste from the state as a whole. Environmental stewardship starts from the individual and the community and should never be just a mandate from the government. I want to leave you with some good news about recycling. WM is finding that the market for number five plastics is on the uptick. So your clean yogurt containers and disposable cutlery are now going back into the circular economy. The local transfer station has also rolled out a mattress recycling program this month. You can take up to five mattresses to the transfer station for free in addition to the free carpet recycling program that was started earlier this year. Thanks for doing your part in reducing waste overall. Join the conversation on Facebook groups called Waste Not Nevada County and follow Nevada County WM to hear about new programs and notifications.
1: The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only, and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, September 14th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and Booktown Books, an independent cooperative bookstore since 1998, featuring nine independent vendors offering used, rare, and collector's items including music, DVDs, vinyl, and art. Open daily, Bank Street, Grass Valley, booktownbooks.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.